Welcome to The Slotted Lamb, a movies-by-minute watch of the John Landis written and directed 1981 horror classic, An American World from London. I'm your host, Troy, and I want to thank you for joining me on this journey. So today is Thursday, and that means we are going to be talking about Minute 66 of An American World from London. And this particular minute starts with, if the villagers believe it, why wouldn't David? And ends with uh, one of the vagrants uh, wanting to let the dog out. So as we uh, start this sequence, we are still finishing off the whole entire uh, Dr. Hirsch and Alex having the conversations in uh, Dr. Hirsch's office. Uh, Dr. Hirsch has uh, currently uh, sat down. We are uh, able to see um, some other stuff on one of the mantle and throughout this whole entire scene we see a couple more shots of the inside of Dr. Hirsch's office. Uh, some of the things that we can point out are we now can see on the mantelpiece behind uh, Dr. Hirsch that he seems to have a model of what looks to be a, uh, I wouldn't say it's a stomach, but it looks like it might be some sort of tubular organ. So it's probably an intestine, but it's not presented in the normal way that a, when you see on a diagram or one of those plastic models, what uh, a, a large intestine looks like. But again, there it is on the mantelpiece right next to the actual clock that is there. Uh, a little later on when he gets up from his desk and walks over to closer to Alex on the shelf that has the uh, books on the bookshelf, the bookcase that is actually built into the wall, there is a, uh, a bust of a head at uh, the one side of the actual we actually see that there is actually a, a one of those models, as I mentioned before, of an actual stomach. And at the opposite end of that particular shelf is the, another model of a heart. Both are uh, standing on, uh, are su supported by a stand that uh, holds them up and making it look like more of a model. But to begin with, we actually have Dr. Hirsch uh, talking about the villagers and their experience and their belief about what happened to Jack. If all the villagers believe that Jack Goodman was killed by a werewolf, why shouldn't David? And with that information, Dr. Hirsch concludes that. And that it follows that if he survived an attack by a werewolf, wouldn't he himself become a werewolf at the next full moon? We then cut to a shot of Alex sitting still in the the leather chair on the opposite side of Dr. Hirsch's desk and she has a very very concerned look on her face she seems to be a little taken aback by what uh, Dr. Hirsch has said and uh, he quickly uh, then tries to get across to the information about uh, that's not what he means So in the background of this particular shot of uh, Alex, we can actually see, like I said previously, at the end of the uh, book case, there is the metal uh, rolling tray that has the kidney bowls and some other metallic uh, cups 
and items on it but behind that there actually seems to be what seems to be an examination uh, curtain uh, which is uh, basically uh, like one of those three walled little uh, curtains privacy walls uh, and an actual examination table behind Alex which is leaning up against a wall uh, there seems to be a uh, couple of blankets rolled up at the base of this and it's kind of neat because it's uh, something else that we didn't realize that actually in his particular office that uh, I guess Dr. Hirsch does examinations in his office. Then as the doctor, like I said previously, uh, stands up and starts to walk around his desk closer to Alex. Um, Another thing that we can see on that one particular shelf that has both the stomach, the uh, bust of the gentleman's head, and the uh, heart, there seems to be a uh, figurine of this uh, man standing, uh, like, a, like a cartoon sort of figurine that stands about uh, a couple of uh, centimeters tall, um, which is kind of interesting. Can't quite make out any of the detail because it is unfortunately in the background and we are focused on... Uh, uh, David Woodvine and not the actual items on the shelf as the camera pans by him in this particular shot. Alex uh, then uh, uh, questions as what uh, the next step should be. What should we do? And then the conclusion that uh, Dr. Hirsch has is to uh, call the police. Which, of course, uh, we basically hear uh, Dr. Hirsch picking up his uh, phone, and then we cut to the uh, the junkyard, the uh, where the derelicts are, uh, the uh, where all the broken down cars are piled up on top of each other. Um, it obviously is nighttime for sure. It is uh, lit from above, and uh, we can see as the camera pans around the uh, foreground of a couple of stacked emptied out cars we can see all these other gutted cars there's no wheels on some of them we actually can see it looks like what it is is the uh, gentleman the three of them the the derelicts uh that uh, um it is one of their uh i guess technically uh, makeshift coaches they have uh, a couple of wheels attached to a box or some sort of wagon and there is all these other pieces of uh, luggage it looks like uh, five or six different types of luggage all tied to this uh, pulling wagon with uh, ropes they're all tied down and whatnot now as the camera comes around we are now we can now see all three of the uh, gentlemen there are two gentlemen standing one sitting down in a chair drinking from a bottle with a dog next to him uh, the two gentlemen standing are uh, warming their hands over one of those uh, barrels that are uh, that are have fire inside them they're warming their hands and there is some uh, slight uh, chuckling going on in the uh, background, we can hear the horn of a ship blowing as it uh, goes by and the camera starts to swing around the foreground and we can see that these gentlemen have themselves set up near the actual river's edge 
because we, as the camera swings more and more around, we then get a shot of London Bridge in the background. At this point, while the camera is still exploring the gentleman, the uh, dog starts to whimper. And the uh, first uh, of the uh, gentlemen, the, the seated gentleman, who goes by the name of Alf, who is actually uh, portrayed by uh, Sidney uh, Broomley. The dog then lets out a bark and starts to whimper for a little bit. And then we uh, end up with the, uh, the, the second derelict gentleman, the, uh, the gentleman in the uh, middle of the trio, who goes, according to the script, by the name of Ted, played by Frank Singulier. He basically uh, mentions to Alf that he should uh, let the dog go. And uh, at this particular moment, uh, then uh, Alf then asks the dog. And in this uh, final little sequence, because that is basically the end of this particular minute, we can see that uh, both uh, seated Al and standing uh, Ted are not really paying attention. But uh, our third gentleman, who goes by the name of uh, Joseph, uh, played by Will Lington, uh, seems to actually be looking also towards the uh, the mess of uh, cars around him because he seems to think he can see something, but uh, he hasn't quite said anything yet as he looks towards the junkyard, whereas uh, Ted and Alf seem to be more concerned with what the dog is doing at this particular minute. And like I said, that brings us to the end of this particular minute. Over on the commentary track, there is nothing being said at this particular moment where they are still in Dr. Hirsch's office and Dr. Hirsch is explaining his concern for what David's mental state currently is after his visit to East Proctor. And of course, Nurse Alex is uh, very concerned about this. So um, the only thing that is actually really said in this particular minute on the commentary track is once we get to the uh, scene where the uh, we visit the three uh, homeless men in the junkyard across from London Bridge, we hear Griffin Dunn mention, ah, look, it's London Bridge. And that uh, David also adds that that's uh, pretty fantastic. And that's it for this particular minute of the commentary track. When it comes to the script, scene 62, interior, Dr. Hirsch's office, night. We continue with the scene where Dr. Hirsch is having a conversation with uh, Alex in his, obviously, office, as that's where the scene is set. And it is, runs pretty much uh, exactly as it does in the final film. Now, what we end up at the very end where Dr. Hirsch's uh, line about uh, calling the police, there's a little extra bit of the line where he says, let's call the police and see if they can help us find our wandering boy. We then go to scene 63, exterior, Brick Lane Night. 
And it says that this, uh, the bombed out ruins of this unsavory part of London are stark and uninviting in the moonlight. Three old derelicts are huddled around a trash can fire trying to keep warm. A skinny dog is tied up beside them. Its ears perk up and he growls in warning. So derelict one is, is mentions uh, old Winston smells something. Derelict two calls out who's there. The dog begins to whine. And then derelict number two says, let him go. And pretty much the next line is in the movie in the next minute. The next line in the script basically is the beginning of the next minute. So that's all that we have for this particular part of the script when it comes to the movie. According to the radio drama, the actual scene where uh, Dr. Hirsch is finishing off his explanation of what might happen to David because of his visit to East Proctor plays out exactly as it does in the uh, script, which has the extra line of uh, having the police uh, look for their wandering boy. Uh, we then go to uh, Sean, or in actually this version of the movie, it's uh, Roger searching the uh, back uh, forest uh, did area, the park area behind his house as he looks around. Uh, however, this time he doesn't sound, seem to sound as... Uh, uh, as uh, joyful of the actual uh, joke sequence uh, that uh, the original Sean in the script seems to, uh, or the movie actually seems to conclude about the sequence. And then, of course, he steps onto the uh, ground where it makes the squelching noise. And, uh, of course, obviously, again, being the radio drama, he has to audibly describe what is actually happening because you can't physically see it but then you hear a slight growl just before the end of it and Roger screams out with an oh my god we then go back to the scene where we have Alex and Dr. Hirsch in Dr. Hirsch's office again and Dr. Hirsch is on the phone call with the actual police where he, after uh, finding out some unfortunately disappointing news, hangs up when Alex uh, asks about the actual police going to look for David. Uh, Dr. Hirsch tells them that yes, they will, but it will be in the morning. And that good old Superintendent Villers is at the police ball this evening, and that uh, he, uh, they are not putting much stock in a lost American boy. So uh, Alex then starts to be concerned about David, mentioning that he's hopefully she, he's just fallen asleep. Then uh, Dr. Hirsch suggests for her to go home early today and that she should, uh, uh, that, that he is going to straighten things out with the uh, matron. And uh, then as uh, he says that, the phone in his office uh, rings again. He picks it up and turns out it is the matron. And that uh, he, there is some disturbing information. And as he finds out, he uh, says that uh, 
he will uh, go straight uh, there as soon as he can and that when Alex informs what happens uh, doctor relays the the doctor relays the information that uh, a colleague of his his old friend Roger has been killed along with two others we then go to the actual sequence where we are running to derelicts where they are in the uh, the I believe it is a junkyard area. It doesn't actually describe where they are right now, but you do. We can definitely hear the fire crackling in this uh, sequence. Uh, one other thing about the whole entire radio drama is the sequence where Dr. Hirsch and uh, Nurse Alex are having the conversation that it is very highly accented with very dramatic music, whereas there is nothing in the actual final film. So it makes it more of a compelling sequence. And uh, the music uh, continues on into the background of the uh, scene where we have the... Uh, the uh, gentleman gathered around the fire. Uh, there's a little more of uh, banter between the three of them as uh, the uh, the dog continues to growl in the background, and then they release the 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 dog to uh, basically they figure that the dog will scare off anyone that is actually uh, prowling around the area, and that's where we end this particular minute because it is now parallel with the movie. And on that note, that brings us to the end of another minute of An American World from London and the end of this episode of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast catchers. And if you'd be so kind as to share, rate, and review us, that would be really cool too. If you feel like following this podcast on the social medias, you can follow Planet Geek Pod, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And if we would like to send us in a message via email, send it to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember, keep off the moors, stick to the roads, best of luck. Starts off with the villagers believing. Starts we then go to the actual sequence where we are run into the dialect, the dialects.